Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 29 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, we continue the discussion about preparations for autumn and winter, focusing on feeding. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me welcome once again to my weekly podcast and my thanks to those of you listening via the patreon page i really appreciate your support if you're not familiar with patreon it's a support page where you can help me create more content by signing up to one of my reward tiers and in return you gain access to additional content and support from me These start from as little as $1 per month, so I believe with the regular quality content I'm producing, $1 represents excellent value for money. If you've not yet started beekeeping and you're looking for help and assistance, pop over to my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk forward slash get started and I'll do all I can to help you out with suggestions and recommendations for you. As usual, I'll leave any relevant links for this week's podcast in the show notes. So following on from last week's podcast, I managed to get all of the treatments onto my colonies as I planned. So I'm now set for the next six weeks as the Apistan does its thing. I'll continue to inspect, but there's no need really to inspect every week now. Certainly with Apistan, it's not as harsh a treatment as the Mitaway quick strips that I've used previously. So I don't have to worry quite so much about Queen's absconding and the effects of uh, what is quite a, a harsh treatment, I think, on um, on my bees. On the subject of Apistan, I made a little bit of a cock-up last week in the description of the active ingredients. I think I described it as tau fluvanate, but it's actually tau fluvalinate. I'm going to blame my typing and dyslexia for the mistakes, but anyway, whatever you call it, I'm hoping it's doing a good job in the hives for you, in getting rid of as many varroa mites as possible before we head into the winter. I finished up last week before getting stuck into the third area of my winter preparation, which is my feeding regime. This is such an important area that I wanted to devote a full podcast to the subject, not just autumn and winter feeding, but feeding generally from the spring through the summer, what to look out for, and then finally talking about uh, how I prepare my bees with feeding in the autumn. So firstly, we beekeepers need to know when our bees do need a little bit of help, particularly with supplementing their food stores. It's very easy throughout the active season to think that the bees have enough food for the entire period, but it's not always the case. So let's take a look at uh, the season from the spring and work through the year. In this podcast, I'm specifically talking about feeding a full-size colony that's overwintered. I'm not talking about nukes, splits, divisions, queen-rearing colonies, or any of the other setups that uh, we might have. We'll leave that for another time. Today, we're just talking about someone who's just brought their colony successfully through the winter and into the warm sunshine of an early spring. First inspections should always include a glance at the amount of food stores your colony has, and this should continue throughout the year. And I would ask yourself this question. Do my bees have enough stores as a minimum to get them through to next week when I inspect again? The reason for the question is that 
if they have enough stores, but you feed them anyway, they may suddenly find themselves on an early spring nectar flow between inspections, and so feeding more might just clog up the brood nest area. Of course, some beekeepers will be using something called stimulative feeding in the spring, but that's another topic entirely, and I'll save that one for another time. If your bees have very little food in the brood nest, and you think they may not have enough to feed themselves for another week, then immediately put a feeder on and some sugar syrup. If the weather's still cool, you could add a bag of fondant, but whatever you do, just do something. You don't want the hard work of getting them through the winter to end in disaster because you delayed a little feed. So, through the spring and into the summer, you continue to monitor food stores, and let's assume that everything goes well. Supers get added, nectar flows, and the bees fill up supers for you so that you can take a late spring crop of honey. The honey gets removed, but then the weather turns a little cold and wet, the bees haven't held any food stores in the brood nest, and you haven't noticed this, and they starve. Before you take that early crop off the bees again, make sure that you've left them enough honey to see them into the summer flow. At any point you think the bees are struggling for food, give them a little bit of feed. It costs little and can save your colony from starving. This process of assessment during the summer months continues all the way to the removal of the summer crop of honey. Again, check your bees have enough honey in the brood box to allow you to take off the full supers of honey without starving your bees. I have a couple of colonies that fill a commercial brood box full of brood with no single space for food stores, so I have to leave them a super of honey and pollen, otherwise they would starve out very quickly. And so we now find ourselves at checkbox number three in my preparation for autumn and winter, and here's what I do to make sure that the bees have enough food stored away for the months ahead. I'd start by saying I'm in no big rush to get heaps of sugar syrup into the hives right now. There's plenty of time still, and by taking the honey off in late July means I've given the bees a period of time to collect late summer nectar and pollen to stock up their brood nests. If you're close to some heather, then lucky you, as the bees will readily fill not only the supers but also their brood nests with the stuff. If you feed heavily now, you run the risk of filling every last cell in the brood nest and this will prevent the queen from continuing to lay lots of eggs which are going to be the start of your winter bees. Fewer bees will mean a bigger risk to the colony when going into the final part of the winter in February. I normally start my feeding regime around early September. You'll maybe remember I'm using mostly commercial beehives with a few nationals and more recently a batch of Polly Langstroths from Happy Valley Honey. I only really ever have issues with the single national brood boxes. They're a little bit on the small side, I find. I aim to fill the available space in the commercial brood boxes with sugar syrup before the main bulk of ivy becomes available to the bees, as this can cause problems with granulation of honey stores in the brood box. Anyway, what I'm finding within the commercial brood box is that the outside frames are currently full of honey stores from the summer flow, packed with honey and pollen, safely capped and ready for the bees to use over winter with little risk of that granulating, and that's really good news. If you've had a good flow of oilseed rape in the spring and the bees filled up the outside frames, you may find that these will become a problem 
as they will have either already granulated or will granulate very rapidly now that the temperatures start to cool down. And with those granulated stores, it seems the bees really struggle sometimes to be able to use them. And you can sometimes get isolation starvation within your colony. If you can remove them and replace with drawn comb, I would suggest doing that as soon as possible. I find a full commercial brood box of bees and stores is more than enough for pretty much all of my colonies to get through the winter. There are always a couple that seem to eat their way through the stores before Christmas, but rather than adding... Crikey, I just said the Christmas word. Anyway, rather than adding a super of stores, I feed fondant to those as they become apparent. I think the Langstroth polyhives I've just started using will be the same as the commercials. They appear to have plenty of room for stores, so I'm going to treat them in the same way as my commercials. If you use Langstroths, I'd be really interested to hear from you about how you prepare your bees for winter. As I mentioned, the problematic hives always seem to be the nationals. The colonies I have in them always seem to struggle in more than a few of those brood boxes and run out of food really quickly. And so this year, they're all getting an additional super of stored syrup. Known as a brood and a half, I'll place the super below the brood box without a queen excluder once the bees have fully stored it with sugar syrup. This will have the effect of giving the bees additional food stores and also raising the brood nest higher above the open mesh floor and away from any nasty cold drafts that may blow during the winter months. I should also say that at this time of the year I only feed heavy sugar syrup. That's two parts sugar to one part water. Again, I'm not terribly fussy about the accuracy. As long as it's close to the ratio of two to one, the bees seem to do fine on it. The main reason for using heavy sugar syrup is that there's less water for the bees to have to evaporate and deal with from the syrup, so that it's less work for the bees, and it stores really well as a thick syrup ready for them when they need it. Of course, the big question is how much to feed them, and this is where there's a lot of conflicting advice hanging around waiting to trip up the new beekeeper. Not surprisingly, you're going to hear me say that there's no real set amount that's the right quantity of feed to suit every colony in every hive. With the wide variation of subspecies of bees that we all seem to have these days, it would be foolish to say that this amount or that amount is exactly what you need to feed your bees. Let me give you a couple of examples to illustrate what I mean. Last year, all of my full-size colonies got a 12.5 kilo jerry can of sugar syrup. I used to make my own sugar syrup, but because I have a lot more colonies now, I buy it in ready-made. It's not the absolute cheapest way of doing it, but it's convenient and it saves me a lot of time. I think the delivery costs are probably the biggest issue, but it still works out to an affordable level for me. Anyway, having fed all the colonies with 12.5 kilos of heavy syrup, I found some colonies took all of the syrup down within a week or so, while others barely looked at it at all. It was nearly two to three weeks after putting it on the hive that they finally started to take it down. Of all the colonies, there were only four that didn't use all of the syrup, and this was removed in November. If you pictured the inside of your brood box, you'll see frames on the outside filled with stores, and as you work towards the middle, eventually a couple of frames in, you'll hit the brood nest, with the outside frames of the brood nest having just a few cells being used for brood, the rest remaining as stores, and then moving in, the number of cells being used for brood increases 
until the central frame is usually full of brood. Continuing out from that frame to the other side, the brood pattern shrinks back down again, giving you a kind of rugby ball shape of sorts. As we move into the autumn and winter, so the queen will gradually slow up her egg laying, focusing on the middle of the brood nest area. And so as brood emerges from those outside frames, the cells are made available for stores to be packed away. Coincidentally, this is when the ivy comes into flower and can lead to honey granulating and causing the bees to starve as they can't process it as easily as other honeys. The trick is to feed the bees as the brood shrinks back, filling the now available cells with sugar syrup ready to use in the middle of winter. So I start feeding during September here in Norfolk. It gives the brood nest a chance to start reducing down and I think the bees are more anxious to get the sugar syrup down and stored away which sees it being taken from the feeder very rapidly. Once all the colonies have taken down the feed I walk around and heft each colony. This is simply lifting the back of the hive off the ground to feel and assess the weight of the hive and gauge the weight of the stores that they've packed away. Having a lot of hives makes it very easy to spot the very light ones that might need a little more food or an additional inspection to see what's going on inside the brood box. Knowing all the colonies are heavy means that I can heft again in December and if I suddenly feel a very light colony I know to check inside. If I lift the roof off and I can see that the bees are active around the crime board I'll add additional food in the form of a fondant block. Once we get into the cold of the autumn and winter you can't easily feed sugar syrup so you have to switch to a fondant block. These can be made or bought and are simply sat above the top bars of the brood nest frames. I usually put the block on the crime board under the roof as it's simple and convenient to do this rather than adding an eek and filling it with fondant. I can see the bees eating through the fondant inside the bag and I know if I need to add more bags of fondant through the winter. Feeding your bees doesn't have to be complicated but you need to follow some simple guidelines for a successful winter. Don't feed too early. September is plenty early enough. Feed heavy sugar syrup, not light sugar syrup in the autumn. Gauge the weight of the hive by hefting. Heft throughout the winter on a monthly basis to assess the colonies. And supplement food stores with fondant if the hive feels light. Finally, to add to the confusion, if the hive feels really heavy in late January or early February, it could be that the bees have become isolated from their food stores and aren't eating at all, and you'll need to give them some help, but that's for another podcast. I'll go into more details of what I'm up to as we get into the autumn and winter, but for now, concentrate on making sure your colonies are queen right and any that need varroa treatments are well taken care of, and I think you'll be well set for the coming months ahead. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast, and please do keep the comments coming. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Yeah.